1: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wiseau, the unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle, delivered in an entertaining, informative fashion that only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC Campfires is brought to you by... DSC, Conservation, Education, and Hunter Advocacy. Hornady, Accurate, Deadly, Dependable. Trigicon, Brilliant Aiming Solutions. Ruger, Rugged, Reliable Firearms. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, Callingist Calls Made. Double Nickel Taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Taurus, Maker of the Raging Hunter and other fine handguns. Now, here's your host, Larry Wiseau.
0: Well, good morning to the DSC campfires. We are in the DSC office here in, in Dallas, Texas, having just completed a uh, one of our monthly DSC Foundation board meetings, and I'm here with a Mr. President of the DSC <laughs> Foundation, <laughs> Uh, Mr. Tim Fallon, Tim, a lot of things going on, but you know, hunting seasons are open and they're opening up almost on a daily basis now. You started hunting probably about the same time I did in terms of age. Hmm. How did you deal with the beginning or the coming of opening day of the hunting season? <laughs> that's a good question. You mean besides not sleeping for about a week before that? Yeah, uh, that's part of it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, well, Larry, I was very fortunate. I grew up with a father who loved to hunt, and I started hunting at about six. Of course, I wasn't allowed to carry a gun, but just trail along and you know be his duck retriever and that sort of thing. A lot of cold mornings in the ice, stripped down naked, so I can tell you But <laughs> oh good, good lessons learned and very humbling. But, uh No, I shot my first deer at nine, and um, I was completely hooked. I mean, it just there's nothing like being in the outdoors, and the preparation you go through—the mental and the physical preparation you go through for opening day or any trip around the world for a hunt—is what to me that's more exciting than actually pulling the trigger.
0: It is. (laughs) You know, in a lot of ways, it is. I I, I grew up hunting, grew up out in the woods, essentially, and hunting opening day deer season even though we didn't have a whole lot of deer i mean it was a big deal usually there were camps set up around the places and everybody get together night before deer season open have a stew and tell hunting stories and all those kind of things and and you're right that anticipation from shooting in your guns you know make sure your guns are sighted in all those kind of things just to me, were such an important part of everything that we did. It, it was one of those things that I longed for. I mean, I, I didn't really care much about football or baseball or anything if you played with a ball. You know, to me, it, what was important is what I played with a hook and a bullet kind of yeah, thing.
3: Those camps were a special part of the, of the ritual. You know what I like about today. Uh, obviously, the camps are a little more modern than we used to have. Yeah, a little, them sleeping yeah, on the rocks, and a now there's bit more camp, yeah, campers <laughs> and whatever. But uh, today, the big difference is it's it's a it's a multi gender event. You know, it's in the old days uh, women didn't go to the deer camp. But well, today
0: I, I beg to differ with you. Really, that when I was growing up, we had a deer camp a one room cabin back about a half a mile behind the house, and we'd move into that cabin about you know three or four days before hunting season started. But my mom hunted and uh, most of the women in that area where i grew up they were hunters as well good for them serious deer hunters
3: yeah yeah well the ranch we hunted on as a kid um they had three daughters and of course that was always exciting to be around them being a young <laughs> knucklehead as i was but um they didn't do the hunting but they'd always come into camp you know from their house it was about mm-hmm. a hour long drive across the ranch and um, they'd come bring the meals and they were part of the ritual but you know today The women are actually doing the hunting, or a lot of the hunting. Oh, yeah. And the kids, especially. So it's, especially with what we do at the ranch, we're seeing, I mean, 20% of our our students today are ladies, are women. And then probably another 20% are kids, you know, and I say kids under 21. Right. So it's, which is a great thing. I mean, what does Peter say to a woman who's hunting with a gun? Nothing.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: exactly. exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, uh, it's lifelong memories. And you're right. The stories that were told by the old codgers in the camp. And just, you know, as a kid, you just mesmerized. and uh, yeah. oh, totally. Totally. Yeah.
0: I mean, and that's that, wonderful. And I think one of the things that I really miss about, of course, with the hunting camps that we're in these days are a little bit different, but. Uh, Thankfully, a lot of those places we kind of halfway banned telephones. You know, uh, you know, if you, if it's a family issue, maybe you look at it. The rest of the time, you go, "Oops, no." Yeah, exactly. as you're turning your phone off as we're talking, which <laughs> <Yeah. me tell laughs> <"Hello." laughs> I love. I didn't want to send the ring one. I can remember so many times of sitting around the campfire and listening to older guys. My the older guys being my dad and, and grandparents are of that era. You know, started hunting uh, back in the early 1900s. And the stories that they would tell. And, and in a lot of times, it was not of the great amount of game that was there, but how hard you had to hunt to even find a deer track in some oh, instance. That's absolutely true. I mean,
3: people don't realize back when you and I started hunting in our, you know, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine, ten, um, the deer populations today have exploded oh my compared gosh, to it's, that. It's tough. Totally I remember different. hunting many days and never seeing a deer. Yeah. And today, you can't go hunting without seeing 20 or 30 of them around, so, especially here in Texas. Yeah, their game recovery is just unbelievable. Of course, you got to keep in mind, you know, up to the 1900s, the deer was a food source, and that's and they, they, got, were, it, and they and got they were they got hammered pretty
0: good. They were hammered, and the and bag limits weren't necessarily paid attention yeah, to, exactly, nor were yeah. the season yeah. sometimes because it was a matter of survival in a sure lot kind of instances. So, so, much of that has changed, and you know, to me, we live probably what I consider. I get tickled sometimes. Somebody says, "Man, don't you wish you lived back in the 1800s or whatever?" And I go. Uh, You ever worn nothing but wool or or (laughs) leather? And I go, man. Have you ever shot a gun that you never really knew for sure whether it was going to go bang when you pull the trigger, and you know, and travel? My gosh, you know, you look like. uh, We we talked a little bit. We had a historic gun deal that we just finished, uh, where people got to shoot Mm -hmm. Hemingway's guns and uh, Teddy Roosevelt's guns. It took them darn near a year to go from New York to the yeah. to the hunting fields, or yeah. six months. And now the beauty of it is, we can call them, crawl on a plane, as you and I have done several times, and within a day we're in camp.
3: Yeah, You're almost ready coast. to start hunting. Yeah.
0: So to me, we live at those, and and there's a lot of animals, and we've got the best of equipment and all those kind of things. So to me, we kind of live at what has been and, and continues to be kind of the the golden era, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to hunting.
3: Yeah, it's a lot easier than it was. Of course, that's the reason safaris back then were, you know, six months long, nine oh, yes. months long, like the Roosevelt safaris, because it took you six weeks to get there, <laughs> and then you couldn't drive, it. you had no vehicle, so you were had a human caravan of about a hundred people carrying all the supplies and so oh, forth. Oh, gracious. But, uh, um, yeah, no, that, that opening morning, Larry, there's nothing like it, just absolutely nothing like there it.
0: There is. it is. To me, it's that great anticipation, and I want to come back to some of that in just a little bit, but I want to go back two for the moment uh we've done some things about the uh the the, the new hunter program that you do on the ftw ranch mm-hmm. and very recently unfortunately i couldn't be there because it was during time frame when my mother passed away but we had the wall Sheep foundation and you had like 11 or 12 ladies there 12 12 new, hunting, new hunter program new hunter how did that go and i'm and, and, so I feel really bad about not being there because well, I'm so looking forward to that one.
3: I was there on arrival night, and we took the ladies all out to dinner in San Antonio, and then we got them on the buses the next day. And then, of course, I left for Zambia. Oh,
0: that's right. But, yeah, we'll get to but, that too in a But bit. my
3: team was um, just overwhelmed. It was awesome. Of course, you know, Gray and Renee and, and did a fabulous job setting this up, Gray Thornton and Renee and um it was sponsored by the wild sheep but gray got the whole organization involved in it each of the chapter sponsored ladies and really ladies were given lots of really nice gear and they were offered a chance to buy the gun that was you know given to them by weatherby and and with the leica optics and it was and so really it's it's two days of training and then uh day three and four we start you know doing hunting in the morning and hunting in the evening and then we do you know uh, you you come in and teach typically normally you right. come in and teach a necropsy class and how to cape the animal and how to determine what the animal's eating and where they're living and then we do a trailing class as you know and then we bring in a professional wild game chef and he teaches them how to actually debone the meat and and how to properly cut the meat so you get the most tender part of it and then what to cook with the, with the meat which right. is so important and then how to cook it and then we make sausage and so it's A person can come in and know nothing about shooting a gun and hunting to leaving, you know, I think I can do this. And then we teach them how to get into hunting where they live. In other words, you know, there's some good approaches and there's some approaches that aren't so good. And, you know. Talking to Billy Bob, you know, about hunting with a Coors Light can at night with a spotlight is not the way to get no, started. Not, In fact, no, It's, not no. the way it's a great well. way to meet
0: the local game Yeah, exactly, that, yeah. bad circumstances. Yeah,
3: and you know, that's a list you don't want to be on. No, no. But show them, you know, how to go to your local organizations, go to your local game departments, talk to them about public land or, and how to talk to a private landowner. We take them through all that. And it's just a wonderful program. You know, it's funny. I expected to have two or three of them last year. We ended up with seven yes or this year i should say yeah. so it, it's uh, growing in popularity and which is wonderful
0: I, I can't see that but just increasing in terms of people wanting to go as the word starts really getting out and i know that uh some classics have done a little bit on it and mm-hmm. of course we've done some some other things on it as well too interestingly it is a new hunter program mm-hmm. but i'll tell you what you know it, it, i've often said this i've been to the ftw ranch Lord knows how many times. But every time I've been there, I've learned something. And I think this program, too, is very much the same way. And I know that there were some people there when I was there who had done some hunting. But then there were also some people there whose maybe their spouse was there under the program. They were there kind of as a special guest. And I think they learned a lot as well, too. They did. uh, That's something I did not expect when we developed the program.
3: Uh, one of the first gentlemen on the first course, you remember it well, you right. were there teaching, um, had been to Africa eight times. And he was just ecstatic with what he was learning. I mean, just because you've hunted in Africa eight times doesn't mean you know how to debone the meat, how to process the meat, how to trail. You know, in Africa, you've always got a tracker and a exactly. professional hunter and so forth. Yeah, so. there you
0: just follow them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're not yeah, looking yeah. at the yeah. ground or anything. Like. So
3: he got to learn everything from soup to nuts, and he was just absolutely ecstatic. In fact, he's going to bring his kids through it this next year. So... Um, yeah, there's lots of really neat nuances about it, and it's extremely successful. You know, as I tell everybody, there's only two good things that came out of COVID, and that's eight million new gun owners and 1.1 million new new hunting licenses sold. So, um, yeah, and and I think it was a wake up call for people to realize, you know, geez, oh Pete, the grocery stores don't have any meat. Can I feed my family? And so, and, and their uncle may have hunted, or their you know, their grandfather may have hunted, and they so they don't they're not opposed to it, but they want to learn how to do it.
0: Yeah, that to me has been one of the really positive things that have come out of this, and, mm. and I think a much greater understanding that food did not necessarily come from the grocery store. And that's maybe not the end product, but that's they've, they've learned that uh, you're right. are times there weren't a whole lot of meat. And well, that, and we've you know, talked about a little this. Bit more
3: yeah, and we've talked about this before. One of the major issues we hunters face are conservationists, I should say, because that's really what we are. Absolutely. Most of the world is totally, completely removed from its food source. I mean, they literally think a piece of chicken on a Chick-fil-A sandwich just bounces out of a factory, and that's exactly no. There's a bird that had no. to die for to make yes. that sandwich, and they, a lot of people just don't don't get that, and that's the problem. Not enough of us are growing vegetables and raising our own livestock anymore.
0: Well, you know, I've made the statement many times that all life on Earth pretty well exists because of the death of another organism and either directly or indirectly and a lot of people I think are finally coming to realization of that when it comes to food because that vegetable that they're growing that's a living thing.
3: Yep. No, I've, I've, I've actually plagiarized that saying you gave me about okay. 10 years ago many times and it's, it's, it's true. And that's it, so but true. It is,
0: it is true, it, it's yep. very true and I think people are finally coming to realization of some of that but uh, the new hunter program is just phenomenal. Now you're intending to have some as we go into 2022. Oh, absolutely.
3: Um, I think there's already four scheduled, and I'm sure we'll end up with six or eight
0: again. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. And toward the end of this, we'll make sure people know how to get in touch and learn more about all this. Perfect. Uh, You mentioned Zambia. Now, uh, (laughs) when the ladies came in, you got them to the ranch, and then you headed off to Zambia. Yep. Was going to Zambia for one species, kind of like an opening day situation for you. It was very much like it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Little history: I was after the yellow diker, which is the largest of all the dikers. This is my fourth hunt in three different countries for this thing. I still didn't get—I didn't get one in Zambia. I had a fabulous time. I never have a bad time in Africa. And we had them on game cameras, and we saw them, um, you know, at night. But you can't shoot at night, so right. they didn't do any good. We're trying to learn their patterns, and uh, just had a fabulous time. It's a very in the jungle you see them when you see them, which is rare. You see them when they're doing the diker calling, yeah, which is almost the, like a
0: predator calling, yeah,
3: but it's with their fingers and, and their mouth mm-hmm. and so forth. And um, so they uh, we uh, in in Zambia they live in a little more or less dense. Country, so they have a bigger territory. They're not so much they don't follow the same trail every day. We're. right this is this this area that has the permit has only killed one in all the years they've had this concession, and that was completely by accident, not by accident, but they were just lucky. Right, just happened to see just one. be at the right place, right time. Right time, and so um, we learned a great deal and I just had a ton of fun. Um, so I'm going to go back in August and try it again, and um, you know we'll we'll put up some more spotters and game scouts and that sort of thing and try to learn where these things are traveling and then probably build them a Sean sort of thing and just wait them out right which is the only thing you can do of course when it's when it's darker than you can do with sleep or go back to camp so but stealth is of utmost importance these things are so shy um, amazing little animal they're about no, I shouldn't say little or 90 or 100 pound animal
0: yeah aren't they maybe the biggest or close they, to the, they are the biggest big of all the, the dikers diker yes yeah. Yeah,
3: yep they are um, but it's just a trophy that's gotten under my skin, and I'm just not going to let go <laughs> till I get it. So,
2: <laughs>
0: Oh, my goodness. To me, some of the smaller animals in Africa are every bit as intriguing as some of the, the, the bigger ones are when you get right down they to it. And I've been very fortunate and blessed to have been with you on several different trips over there. where. I d I didn't have to pull the trigger, because you did. But I was right there at your side when you did it, and it was like me taking the animal too, because I was on the stalk and the whole nine yards. Right. But again, some of those smaller animals like in the Ouroby and some of the other many other mm-hmm. dikers that are out Dick there. Dick
3: Dicks and the Dikers. Oh gosh, yeah. I don't know the number, but I think there's thirty-two different dikers in Africa. That's the amazing part about that continent. It is so diverse. Yes. So somebody will say, Well, I've been to South Africa, so I've hunted Africa. No, you no, haven't. That's no, like no, saying no. I've been to Texas and hunted America. America. That's not true. It's so diverse and so varied.
0: I heard saying I've been to Houston and so I've been to Texas. (laughs) Yeah,
3: Exactly. So, and as you know, I'm a collector. So, you know, once I've, once I've got that trophy for particular, there's three different kinds of sable. There's four different kinds of kudu, there's four different kinds of eland. So once I have that species, you know, I move on and, but I'm at a point in my career now where I'm doing a lot of these hunts for one or two things. It's no longer going and and trying for 10 animals. Which is actually more fun. I think it I, it's is. It's not no. about the kill. It's no. about meeting the new people and, and the experience in the different countries. And I just, I just love the place.
0: I've been to Africa hunting and not shot anything oh, on, totally on purpose. Yeah. You know, it was my decision. I've also been to Africa where I shot one or two animals. And then up to, I've been on those nights yeah. where you, you go, oh, my God, what's that? What's that? What's that kind of thing?
3: Well, you yeah. remember in 2019, I went 26-day elephant hunt. Yes. Walked. We estimated, of course, following it on a GPS, about over 250 miles, and never fired a shot. Yeah. And it was one of the best hunts I've ever done. Yeah. Of course, the outfitter was awesome, and lots saw lots of elephants every single day. But we were hunting one single elephant that we saw on day two, and wouldn't give it up. And we knew which one he was by his track. But that's just that's the hunt, and that's it's not he, called
0: killing; it's called no, hunting. You're exactly right. Years ago, when I was a different person compared to what I am now because I had more time and I was doing more biology work a little bit less writing a little bit less all this other thing but I do a game survey on a ranch that I had permission to hunt and I'd pick out one deer now it wasn't the biggest deer on the ranch many sure. means but sure. I would hunt that deer to the exclusion of all the rest of them and some years I shot a deer some years I didn't. Mm-hmm. But to me, that was, was the hunt and the fun of, of that particular, of hunting white-tailed deers, to just matching which with that one particular animal. Right. Kind of like, uh, I've been to Africa. I used to go there with uh, Fred Burchell years ago, mm-hmm. uh, that came up with the orgs the golden the Orcs, but uh, you know, his right. ancestors have been there forever. Yeah. And I'd go over there with Fred and his wife Laura and we'd just get in a vehicle in Namibia and just drive across country and take we took two, two three tents or three we took enough water enough fuel. And we went across like the the mid desert and created roads all over the place. Fred had heard of a, a herd of fifty thousand springbuck that he we were gonna go find. Well we we found Springbuck and but we never found the fifty thousand herd <laughs> that although is reputed to be in that area. And like the last afternoon that I was there, I finally ended up shooting two springbuck. And they were phenomenal in terms of horn size, but I would have loved to have seen what that 50,000 herd looked like. And in the process of it, we got to look at the country that uh, I seriously doubt that there have been too many too many human footprints made in that some of that sand. That we, right. And yeah. it was just an absolutely fabulous trip. Now, that's part of the
3: beauty of Africa. You can... Say to yourself, that it feels like when you're on many of those hunts, oh, yes. I, I'm the first guy to ever step foot in this yeah, place. Of you, course you're not, probably, probably not. but I mean, it feels that way. But you, you,
0: Absolutely. It, so remote and
3: so way. isolated. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. last trip to Zambia, part of what, what I got to do while I was there was some anti-poaching work. And um, the concessionaire spends, there's no way he's making money. I mean, there's no way. His right. quota isn't that large. And right. He's got 1.5 million acres. he keeps a full-time helicopter on staff for anti-poaching. And then he has four teams of of Game Scouts, anti-poaching patrols. And I got to get in the helicopter and do some of the border patrols, you know, the border areas. And and we actually found four poachers. They were, quote, fishing poachers. I'm sure when they heard the helo, they jumped their guns. Right. And we escorted them out of the area. And, and, um, geez, it's a life commitment. And, And my hat's off to him. God bless him. He loves animals and conservation so much and he knows hunting's the only way to save these animals. It is. Because that's what pays for the helicopter and the anti poaching patrols. Yes, and um, but it's a complete life commitment. My hat's off to him, just an amazing story. Just it, like Mark Haldane and many of the others over
0: there, they take such good care of their areas. You know, we think you, you mentioned there are four poaching teams mm-hmm. on a million acres. That's one point right. five million. One point five. Okay. Yeah. Well, that just increased the. I was going to say that's two hundred fifty. Well, now it's like three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand yeah. acres, or uh, right at four hundred thousand acres for each one of those anti-poaching teams. Right. And it, what's
3: interesting, he does it where two of the teams are on motorcycles,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and two of the teams are on foot patrols around the perimeters, looking for a sign that people have come into the concession from right the local villages the and area. so forth. Right and you know if it was just food subsistence that's one thing but it's not these people are poaching for the horn the ivory we found right. a dead elephant that had been shot um and, and just you know they're, they're unfortunately that that's black market is is a very powerful thing so you're trying to prevent that you're also you also have to watch the subsistence poaching too because the meat market, the meat what they call the the black market for meat right is huge. Like you know, they can go kill an impal and impale and sell all that meat in a local village, and um, you just it can't be allowed. And so,
0: anyways. no, it, it can't because the unfortunate thing about it is it, it is totally indiscriminate killing. It is. Um, it so is. You're, you're not just taking else, yeah. big ones; you're taking small ones; you're taking all yeah. different sizes. And as a result of that, you really destroy that potential for that particular species to continue. You
3: do, I and mean, it affects the predators as well. We saw a line oh. with with three legs. With three legs, so he lost his fourth foot. Oh and, my goodness! Uh, right front foot, just a tragedy. And he's fine, right? But, but, but through amazing. an indiscriminate snare, what a, yeah, a shameful oh waste! Gracious. It's just terrible. And then, oftentimes, they'll set these snares, and the next thing you know, they don't go back and check them daily.
0: No, they might come back a week later, but, but yeah, and he, you
3: know. he snared it on day one, and six days later, he shows up, and the meat's ruined, the hide's ruined, and the only thing that's left is the horn. Yeah. So, it, it's just a, an absolute tragedy. You know, Larry the. I don't want to get philosophical, or technical about it, but we're in a we're in a heck of a mess here. I mean, we've we are. got 1,900. There's a billion people on the earth today. There's eight billion, almost eight billion people. They estimate by 2050 it'll be 10 billion, and half the world's population will be on the continent of Africa. That's not sustainable. No, those five billion people are going to eat. Yes, they're going to eat, and so it's it's a real crisis. And um, I, I find it ironic that the hunters are blamed for destroying say, the continent of Africa, but yet we're the ones saving it, and yeah, the people accusing same. us of destroying it, or well, how could you kill an animal sort of thing, have never even been there. No. I mean, how can you make a judgment no. on something like that? No. So, uh, it's, a, it's a heck of a mess. we got a long battle ahead of us. If we do
0: have a long battle ahead of us. Thank God we have organizations like DSC, and exactly. like our DSC Foundation that grants a fair amount of money. I, I get tickled because you continue to say our job is to give away money so we can make more money, so we can make more money to give away more money yep. kind of thing. Yep. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a continual cycle, and we've been very fortunate and blessed in that we have at least a fair number of people who understand that who are willing to fund conservation because it takes dollars to, to yep. do that, and hunting plays a very important role in that to have that sustainable population over w- whatever the species is yep. or wherever it is.
3: No, it's exactly right. It's, it's a wonderful program. I enjoy it. This year's grants we made were just wonderful. Oh, I, I agree. I, I we agree. didn't get to make as many as we wanted, or as big as we wanted, but it was wonderful going through the experience yet again, and and the the impact it has is just phenomenal.
0: It is. And, and while we're talking about that, if somebody wants to see some of the things that we're doing. We're, we deal with uh, Safari Classics who do just an absolutely fabulous job of putting together videos and, and projects along those lines And so they go to our dscf.org and see it or go to biggame.org the dsc website and then click on the foundation but there's a lot of good information about what we're talking about there too on the dsc uh, site as well too yep yep well Larry, it's been a pleasure Tim, I know you've got uh, a long way to drive. I think we we'll have <laughs> quite as far away way to drive right now, but it's uh, you know, opening day is approaching very quickly. I've got some last minute type <laughs> things. But what's the best way to, uh, for us? We talked about the new Hunter program, of course. I think almost everybody these days knows about the sportsman, all-weather, all-terrain marksmanship, hunter training that you guys do. If you don't, you can go to ftwsam. and and learn. And I suspect that's probably the the best place to to find the phone numbers and it is. And, yes, yeah, and it, probably the easiest way too.
3: And, and it also has a great description of our different programs and the different courses and what, what might suit you best. And um, so on and so forth. And the good news is, you don't have to come in fear of, oh, they're going to try to unteach me the way I do think. No, we're no, not. We're just going to no. try to enhance what you do. And because we're gear neutral, we love all guns, scopes, and bullets. Absolutely. We're not going to try to say a thing. You just bring your own gear, and we're just going to make you better at it.
0: Absolutely. We may try to push you a little bit toward DSC membership.
2: <laughs>
0: but also, while we're talking about this, too, you offered some absolutely fantastic hunts there on particular species that. You can't really go find any place else anymore. So no, that's right. I just right. want to touch on that just a little bit because well, you do have an unbelievable hunting program, conservation based. Well, no, thank you, Larry.
3: We, yeah, with the exception of whitetails, of course, and a few other species which are now pretty common in Texas. Right. But we focus on animals that are either endangered or extinct, where they're indigenous from things like the Bucharan Marcor and the Transcaspian Caspian Ural and the Nubian ibex, Iranian red sheep, et cetera, who have a heck of a breeding program, which is really cool because. I call it the zoo industry, but as, as these animals are born in the, in the, the breeding system, um, the males will sort those once they're weaned, and they'll go up into an aging system. And many of those animals, they either get released onto the ranch into the 12,000 acres, or they go back into what I call the zoo industry, which is a, we deal with three or four brokers that trade in and out of the zoos. Right. To and, or, and or species. other breeds yeah. to perpetuate the
0: species yeah. and to prevent men some inbreeding type yeah
3: thing. yep yeah and you have to mix your genetics up obviously but it's it's do we make money at it no but it's part of paying it forward and part of the life cycle and it's just it's absolutely wonderful so we have a great time doing it
0: uh, you you make me homesick for the ranch <laughs> <laughs> Tim thank you so much for joining us this, this morning around the DSC campfire I can't wait till we get together around and. Not that virtual campfire, but the real campfire next time. Thank you very much for joining me this morning. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Larry. Thanks for joining us around the campfire. To leave a comment or suggestion for an upcoming episode, go to Instagram at Larry Wysoon Outdoors. Please join me right here next week for another DSC's
2: Campfires. DSC Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by the Texas Wildlife Association. Working for Tomorrow's Wildlife today, TRHP Outdoors can attract boots for the trails less traveled, Voit, the finest in hunting gear, Pyramid Air for all things air gun, and Ripcord, Rescue Travel Protection.